Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from King of Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. We know this is the season of harvest that God is taking us into. There is no harvest without power. There is no power without the exercise of authority. There is no exercise of authority without faith. And that has to be faith working through love. So you get this sequence of faith, authority, power, leading to the fruitfulness, leading to the harvest. Now, if you look at the ministry of Jesus, you see that this was true of him. He is the author and finisher of our faith because he lived by faith, by dependence upon his father, speaking the truth in the power of the spirit. He exercised authority, the authority the father had given him over all the power and works of the enemy, over sickness, over sin, over Satan, And the power of God was evident in his ministry. And the works of power got the attention of the people. It's that which draws the crowd. The non-believers will never come because there's a good teacher or preacher or anything. They come because of the works of power. And Jesus was under no illusion of this. He realized that many of the people in the thousands to which uh, he was speaking... They were there for the miracles. They were there for what they could get out of it. They weren't there necessarily because they wanted to become disciples of his. Of course, some become disciples, and this is what the parable of the sower is all about. But only one of the four categories of people there actually ended up by being fruitful. So Jesus is aware that there will be lots of people who will come. Some will only respond superficially. Some will never really release their lives into the Lord's hands, but they still want their own way, like uh, the seed that falls into the thorns and thistles. But there will be those who will become disciples, whom God will use for his glory, and uh, they will be abundantly fruitful. So we need to see the power of God. But that whole process that I've just spoken about begins with faith. And therefore, God is, at this moment, wanting to revive our faith so that we see more of the works of power. It isn't that the power is missing. The the scripture says that God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or imagine according to that power that is already within us. But it's faith that releases that power to see the supernatural activity that produces the uh, healings and the miracles and so on. So this this is the challenge that is before us because, remember, in this harvest time, God is not going to focus on personalities but on what he does through the whole body, through the whole body of believers. Everybody who is a disciple, will become a harvester. So everybody here in Kingdom Faith will be a harvester. Not only sowing, but reaping as well. So this is a responsibility, if you like, for all of us to be in the place of faith where we can see the power of God uh, being released not only in miracles, but in the way in which people's lives are transformed, the depth of, of transformation that happens in the new believers. And God is increasing that anointing and the fruit that comes from that anointing. I've just had a very powerful weekend in Sheffield. The pastor at the end of the Sunday morning service said to me that the word on Sunday morning will have transformed the whole church. Now, that's not me, obviously, that's God, because only God can transform anything. But, you see, that's the nature of what God is getting us into now, 
uh, we're going to see more and more of the life and the power of the Spirit uh, being evidenced in whatever we say and do in his name. Right, now, in order for us to see what is involved in the harvest, because it's one thing to, to say we believe that there's going to be a harvest, it's another thing to become a harvester. And obviously, if we're not harvesters, there isn't going to be a harvest. So uh, there's this process, if you like, that God is going to take us through, he's taking us through, in order to prepare us to be the harvesters he wants us to be. When we pray, Lord, send harvesters into the harvest field, of course, we're praying for ourselves, as well as for others. You can't pray, you know, here am I, Lord, send everybody else. doesn't quite work like that. So we have to be prepared to do and be whatever is going to be required. And at this point in time, you guys have not lived through a time of revival, of real harvest. So you don't really know what it's like from experience. But uh, when you're in a time like that, you don't have to worry about what to do and uh, what you should do. It all just happens. Uh, you do, and the Spirit works through you in the way that is, becomes actually naturally, supernaturally natural. Now, <clears throat> so, you know, you don't have to worry about that. <clears throat> oh, how can I ever become a harvester? God will make you one. But he has to take us through the process of making us the harvesters he wants us to be. <clears throat> right, now, let me just give you a very simple illustration, I mean, of things that you know well, but, you know, there isn't anything new under the sun. It's not whether we can find some fresh revelation, but whether we're living in the revelation of the truth of God's word that he's already given us. If we take uh, this side of the pulpit to represent heaven, and this side, earth, now, in heaven, of course, Jesus existed, lived, before he became man. In heaven, there isn't anything natural. It's a spiritual realm. The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is righteousness, power, uh, sorry, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Everything in heaven is therefore supernatural. It's spiritual, it's supernatural. It is not of the natural order of this world. It's the place of God's glory, where, of course, Jesus is reigning in glory. Now, the scripture is clear to us about what Jesus had to do when he left the glory, the supernatural spiritual life of the kingdom of heaven to come to this natural order. We read in Philippians that he emptied himself of his glory and regarded himself as nothing and took the form of a servant. So the supernatural, spiritual God, Son of God, becomes man, shares our weakness, tempted every way just as we are, we commonly remember. But he's now having to live the life of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And this was the mission on which he was sent by the Father. Remember, he didn't choose to come himself, he was sent. And the whole of his gospel message, the good news, is the good news of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Jesus began his ministry, the time has come, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the good news. 
So Jesus came from heaven with the life and power of heaven to communicate that to those who would believe in him. And of course, we know his passion and death on the cross and so on made it possible for them to receive the gift of the kingdom, to become part of the kingdom, the eternal kingdom of God. So, <clears throat> Jesus, of course, although in his humanity he made himself nothing and took the form of a servant, he knew how vital it was for him to remain in fellowship with his Father in heaven, in contact with the Father in heaven. He said, as you hear me reminding you constantly, that he could do nothing himself, that apart from the Father, he could do nothing, which is why he regarded himself as nothing. He knew, therefore, that he was totally dependent upon the Father to give him the words to speak, for the Father to show him what to do, and, of course, for the Spirit to enable him to do it. He lived in complete dependence on the Father in heaven and, therefore, had harvest in his ministry therefore could exercise authority, therefore could see the power of God. What was actually happening was Jesus was in contact with heaven, if we can put it in those sort of blunt terms, and the life of heaven was streaming through Jesus and out into the world around him through the ministry that he was performing. Now, that is the only way in which God has chosen to work. So, all those on earth through whom he wants to see the outworking of his purpose are called to live by those same principles. We are nothing in and of ourselves. In Christ, we are immensely valuable to God. But in and of ourselves, we remain nothing. God raises up the humble, but he pulls down the proud. The people that think they're something are never going to see the power of God operating in their lives. They might think they're very spiritual. They might think they have a lot of biblical knowledge. They might think they're wonderful at prayer, but they won't actually see the power of God unless they recognize their nothingness and their complete dependence upon not only the Father, but of course Jesus also now reigning in the glory of heaven. So Jesus, in his preaching, uses, always uses parables, parables about the kingdom, to describe the nature of the kingdom. And of course, in two of those parables, he says that the kingdom of God is the treasure in a field, or the pearl of great price that the merchant found. Uh, as again, I'm often reminding you, Jesus didn't say he's the treasure. People can know Jesus, they can love Jesus, they can have Jesus in their lives, but they still don't have the treasure unless he rules and reigns in them. So the treasure is not just Jesus himself, but it's the rule and the reign of Jesus in the lives of those who would live as true disciples. Now, what we see then in the life of Jesus, as that scripture says, is he came by the water and the Spirit. And this has taken on new significance for me in the light of what God has been doing recently because that river of living water flows from the throne of God. So what was happening through his ministry is that flow of living water was flowing into his life and through his life and out of his life, a river of living water. So this is why he says uh, on the last great day of the feast in John 7, uh, 
come to me and drink. Drink of what? Drink of that living water that flows from the very heavenly throne of God. He comes, therefore, in the power of the Holy Spirit to preach the word, to actually see the demonstration of the works of the kingdom in his life and ministry. So the spirit and the water were operating in his life. Therefore, the spirit and the water need to operate in our lives. But for us, there has to be the added dimension of his blood. Jesus didn't need the blood because he lived in perfection. We need the blood for the forgiveness of our sins, to cover all of our failure and inadequacy and self-motivation, whatever, 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 all those things of self, all those things of the flesh. We need the blood. So we need the spirit and the water like Jesus did, but we need the blood also. And what John is saying is these three agree. The spirit sanctifies our lives. The river of life that flows from the throne purifies our lives, as God has been making clear these last two or three weeks. And the blood of Jesus cleanses our lives from all sin and from all failure and all inadequacy. The three are in agreement. They're all making us the spiritual people that God wants us to be. Now, the unspiritual people that live in this natural world cannot understand the things of the Spirit. But God is raising up a spiritual people, not a religious people. See, people can be very religious, but in religion there's no power. You will find you can, you can go to churches where there's a lot of religion and no power. You'll never see a miracle. You'll never see even the expectation of a miracle. You'll never even see people praying with faith for miracles. They're just tied up in their own religious forms. But God is raising up a spiritual people, not a religious people. And these people, therefore, need to be just like Jesus. They can't function here and produce the life of the kingdom and the fruit of the kingdom that God anticipates unless, like him, they are in contact with heaven unless the Spirit is constantly flowing into their lives, unless that river of living water is constantly flowing through their lives, unless they are constantly, day by day, being cleansed by that blood so that they can stand in the place of perfection before God. Now, God, by his mercy and grace, has provided all that for us to enable us to be the people of the Spirit, to, to be the people of the kingdom. And his kingdom is not a matter of talk, but of power. So he's provided all that is necessary, and that's why Peter agrees with John, as you would expect, once the Spirit had filled their lives. And the, these words that, again, are often quoted here in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him, who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So, like Jesus, we can participate in the divine nature because of the spirit, the water, and the blood. And that's what... God intends here and as his nature is expressed in our lives so we see the fulfillment of his very great and precious promises now that whole process you see begins with faith because Peter goes on to say for this very reason make every effort to add to your faith that's the foundation goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are to be, uh, we are to be effective and productive because 
that life of heaven is flowing through us by the spirit, by the water, by the blood. That enables us to fulfill the ministry that God has called us to as the body of Christ, but it enables us to actually see the Christ in us pouring out of our lives as rivers of living water in order to touch and transform the lives of other people around us. Are we all breathing here? So I'm just explaining stuff that you already know. However, we don't see the same results that Jesus did. Not at present. When revival comes and that real release and harvest, in the midst of the harvest, then you will see a whole lot more supernatural activity than we see at present. Because it has to be a work of the Spirit amongst us. But the key for Jesus, you see, was to count himself nothing. Why was that so important? Well, if he thought that he was something, he would have trusted in himself and not the Father. But he said, of myself, I can do nothing. The question is, do you believe that of yourself? I don't mean theoretically or theologically, but as a matter of practice. We know that Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. Well, at this moment, not everything else is being added to us. We don't see that in practice. We are living on the edge of need all the time, or the need of God's provision, which means that something is lacking in our seeking of the kingdom and his righteousness. You can't work around that. I mean, if, if that was the evidence as God understands it in our lives, then everything else would be there and Nobody would be worrying about when they're going to receive their salary or any of the other practical things. And we would see so much more of the power of God. So <clears throat> there is something that we have to do here uh, to enable that flow of the spirit, the water, and the blood to be flowing through our lives in agreement in the way that God intends. And that means that the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ is to take a greater hold of our lives than is at present the reality. No matter how much we think we are submitted to him, uh, God probably knows differently. You know we're not here for a job, even though you're on the team, you're not here for a job. You don't work so many hours a week because you have a job. You belong to the kingdom, and the whole of your life is devoted to the life of the kingdom. There's no set hours for that. There's no limitation of that. Um, we are devoted and dedicated to the life of the kingdom. And um, so... You know, God is going to make more and more demands of us, of our time, of the way in which we yield, give ourselves, surrender ourselves, make ourselves available to him. You won't be able to order your life around your family. You'll have to order your life around the kingdom. And your family will benefit, those of you that have families. This is, uh, this is what living actually in the kingdom of God all the time is, is to be like. Um, everything focuses around the rule and the reign of Jesus. 
Because, you see, there's only going to be power where he reigns. There's only going to be harvest where he rules, where he's in charge, where he is enabling to happen the things that need to happen. So, life would be much easier if it wasn't for the self. Because the self keeps getting in the way of the kingdom. In all of us, there is this element of self. We know what we want and what we would like God to do for us, to give to us, to do with our lives. That, you could say, is human nature. And that's the problem. Our problem is our human nature. And you see, what God has made possible is that we can live by the divine nature. His divine nature has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So like Jesus, you have two natures. You have your human nature, you have your divine nature. The new nature that God gave you when you were born again and his spirit came to live in you, born of the spirit. And in all of us, Without exception, some of what we do is the result of our human nature, some of what we do is the result of our divine nature. The difference between Jesus and you and I is that everything in his human nature was devoted, dedicated, surrendered, submitted to his divine nature. So he could pray, Father, not my will, not the will of my human nature, but your will be done, the will of your divine nature. Now, of course, in our natural lives, we can't help having desires and wishes and feelings and emotions and thoughts and agendas and everything. You would say, well, that's natural. That is what it's like to be human. And yet Jesus shared our humanity and kept everything in that place of submission and surrender to the will of his Father. Really, when you you come to the bottom, that's the only thing we can do, and that's the only thing we have to do, to see the, the life of God and the power of God and the kingdom of God actually being outworked in our lives in the way that God intends. It isn't that we've got to do more, we've got to do less, so that he then does more. So our focus is not on ourselves, our focus is on him, upon, you know, the anointing. He is Jesus the Christ, Jesus the anointed one. You are whoever you are, the anointed one. So God wants you to be trusting in that anointing and using that anointing for the very reason why he's given it, so that you can bear much fruit for his glory, for the good of his kingdom and the welfare of his people. So this is a simple message. But the harvest won't come by waiting for it. As far as God is concerned, the fields are already white and ready for harvest. The question is, are the harvesters ready? Because he needs the harvesters to bring in the harvest. So, It's as if the Lord says to us, okay, the ball is in your court now. I've said to you what I want to do. I've told you that this is the time for the harvest to come. So now I'm preparing the harvesters.
I want you to be aware, you see, if you know anything about farming and harvest time, you know that when the grain is ripe and ready for harvest, the farmer doesn't have a life of his own. He's reaping the harvest all day and half the night. His tractor has lights on, he doesn't stop because it gets dark, even though it's summertime, because it's harvest time. He just doesn't have a life of his own except to gather in the harvest. Are you ready for that? Ready to be part of that? Because you're in the wrong place if you're not. So either something needs to happen in you or you can work out for yourself what the alternative would be. But I'm just warning you, this is what it's going to be like. This is what revival is like. You feel you don't have a life of your own, but then you don't want a life of your own because it is so exciting to see what God is doing. And there's no use thinking, well, you know, what about my husband? What about my wife? What about my children? God looks after all them. They they will prosper. They will thrive in times of harvest because they'll all become reapers themselves. So we're all involved, you know, it's not just us because we're on the team or anything like that. So what's God saying? Perhaps, as I've been praying and pondering this these last few days, okay, Lord, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else will be added to you. We don't see everything else added to us. What's wrong? I don't know, it's up to you to ask God that of yourself. Does there need to be a change of thinking, of attitude in some ways? Does there need in some of us to be a change of the way in which we submit ourselves, surrender ourselves to the Lord? Is there some other reason? Is there something else that is hindering the purpose of God in our lives now? you know that the scripture warns you against examining yourself and looking at yourself. That's not where you're going to find the answer. You're not going to find the answer in yourself. You're going to find the answer in the Lord. He will reveal, he will show you what it is that he wants to do. But I want you to be clear that the harvest is not going to be dependent upon what Pastor Clive does or I do or anybody else in the leadership does. We're all in this. We're all involved in this. Because God is not going to be able to reap the harvest that he's trying. I mean, it's going to be immense if God is sending angels to help us. Come on, he's not talking about just seeing a flow of a few more people coming into the kingdom. He's talking about something much greater than that. You know, as I've told you before, I've ministered in a church that went from 5,000 to 50,000 in three months. Now that's harvest. That's multiplication. That's what God has been talking to us about. I'm not saying that we're going to compare with those numbers. We're in a different situation. But something of that order is going to happen. If it's harvest, something of that order that the few hundreds we have now are going to become thousands. Within months? If it's harvest time, within months. So, you know, once, once the farmer, because he, he tests the grain, doesn't he, to see if it's ripe. Once he sees it's ripe, out comes the combined harvester, and he's at it all day and half the night. Sometimes all night. Because the window of opportunity is there. Now, I'm not going to scare you or frighten you with this, but you know that church where I've ministered in, in Argentina had 150,000? Uh, all their pastors and people there, they were living on three hours sleep a night. I'm not saying that this is what's going to happen to you. But I said to the, I said to the pastor, 
you know, do you think this is wise? People are only having that sleep, aren't they? Going to get burnout. And what he said to me is this. While we have this open heaven for harvest, we must use every minute and opportunity because we don't know how long it's going to last. And that was the attitude, that was the kind of love that you saw in the people there. You know, the, the people, I'm not talking about the leadership now, the people, they, they were there most nights of the week. Not because they wanted to be blessed, but because they were being unsaved people most nights of the week. It wasn't, you know, Sunday morning and a prayer meeting once a month or a home group. We're talking about harvest. And, and when you're reaching people, you don't tell them to come to a meeting. You bring them, you take them, you nurture them, you help them, you So, you know, I'm just telling you these things, but not, not because it's going to work out exactly the same here as I've seen in other places, but that we, what we've got to be prepared for. If, what I'm saying is this. God can only work in your life and through your life according to the room and space you give him in your life. He can't work through what is not given over to him. So, harvest will be a shock that we we would not be able to cope with unless God had done whatever he needed to do in us to prepare for that. So, beloved ones, that's it. Key to all of that is our love for Jesus. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Whatever your these are, the other things that appeal to your human nature rather than your divine nature. Do you love me more than these? It's a good question, isn't it? It's one I constantly, constantly pray through in my life. Because there are things I know I love. I love Jesus more. And I can say, yes, Lord, you know I love you more than these. But that could still mean that I have love for these, even though my love for him is greater. And if I don't have that love for these, whatever these are, in your life, then that would give me a greater capacity to love Jesus. Is this making sense to you? I don't think it's enough, certainly if we're going to see harvest, for us to say, Lord, I love you, more than these. Because I think what God does with us is to cause us to question, is your love for these? They're not necessarily people, they can be all kinds of things. But is your love for these Preventing you from seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness in the way that God intends. Is there too much space in our lives 
given to these, which is space that will have to be surrendered and given over to Jesus for the harvest. Now, you see, we could say, okay, when the harvest comes, I'll give these over to Jesus. <laughs> but that's not the way God works, is it? The measure you give is the measure you receive. You don't receive and then give. You give and then receive. Hello? That's the principle of the kingdom of God. So, you know, you never received new life until you gave your life to Jesus. It's there all the time through the whole gospel. So, just let God talk to you in his love, in his gentleness, in his compassion. Because he's never going to force us. He's never going to make us do what he wants. He says, okay, I'm talking to you about harvest. I'm saying that this is the season. Get ready. Do whatever is necessary to get ready. This is like the farmer making sure that the combine harvester works well. Because what's going to happen if he gets, starts to gather in the harvest and the machine breaks down because it can't cope? No, no, no. His whole livelihood is dependent upon gathering in the whole harvest. So he's going to make sure that everything is prepared, everything is ready. All the machinery is, is good for, uh, and ready for purpose. And that's really, I think, what God is saying to us this morning. He's, he's just saying, okay, just make sure that your life is ready for purpose. The purpose being the harvest. It's ready for purpose for what you're seeing now, but what you're seeing now isn't harvest. So, you know, I think the Lord would just show each one of us whatever. And let me finish with this. It's going to need self-denial. Not analyzing self. Not focusing on self but denying self, not I, but Christ. The secret is this, Christ in me. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the fruit of this is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-denial. This, everything, this side, in heaven, is positive. There's no negatives there. In God or in heaven or in any of those who belong to heaven. Here in the world, of course, it's full of negativity. And you see, the mistake that so many people make is you can criticize the negative, but criticizing accomplishes absolutely nothing. You can criticize the negative as much as you like. You can criticize people who are negative as much as you like and you accomplish absolutely nothing, nil. Criticism is just about the most negative thing because it's a form of judgment, really, which God tells us not to do. It's just about the most negative thing people can do, to feel critical, to be critical. Because, you see, the only answer to the negative is the spirit the water, and the blood. And those three agree.
When Caroline and I got married, I said to the Lord, Lord, doesn't matter where you take us or actually I said, Lord, you know, you just do with our lives, take us anywhere you like except Luton. <laughs> it did, actually, because Luton had the most terrible reputation spiritually. The churches were absolutely dead at that time. So I actually said that. But I said, Lord, I don't mind how you use us so long as we get together and you don't take us to Luton. Well, of course, you can't make deals with God. What did he do? He took us to Luton, then he gave me a ministry where I had to be apart from my family for most of my time. Costly to self. But what I saw all through those years was tremendous harvest. Thousands of people every year coming to the Lord for years and years and years. Not me, him. Harvest through the ministry. But there's cost. But actually, the cost is pretty negligible when you compare it with the fruit that results. Thousands of lives transformed. What does it matter if it's going to cost you a bit? Self-denial. Sacrifice. It's worth it, isn't it? I mean, isn't that why we're here? Because we don't live for ourselves, but for others. We love one another as he has loved us. He doesn't love us with self-love, you know, self-motivated love. Wanting the highest good for us. So, praise God, it's going to be good. However, having said all that I said, don't focus on the cost. Focus on the Lord. But don't be surprised if it proves to be costly. Because the blessings will far, far, far outweigh the cost. Come on, let's all stand. Lord, you're ready. And I want to be ready. I felt I wasn't ready when you turned up the other day and just gave me that vision of the living water. And I know you've done an immense amount in my life in these last two or three weeks. But Lord, if I'm honest, I don't, I still. I'm not ready. Still there needs to be that faith, that, that authority, that power in my life and in my ministry that exceeds anything that I'm seeing now. And that's what I want, Lord, and that's what I want you to work in me. That's what I want you to work in every one of us because I know that's going to be essential to the gathering of the harvest of which you've spoken So, Lord, I pray that you will continue to reveal more and more of yourself to us, that the Father's love for the Son might be in us, that we really will be pleased for you because of what you are doing in and among each one of us. Lord, I just pray not only for myself but for all of us here, every one of my brothers and sisters in Christ, that we will be in that place of surrender, of submission, of yieldedness to you and so that the spirit, the water, and the blood can just flow through our lives and produce the fruit. Hallelujah. Produce the harvest of what you've spoken. So I thank you, Lord, and I bless you. Lord, I love you more than these, but if there's still love for these that is going to get in the way of of increased love for you, then I want to surrender the these to you. Hallelujah.
Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Papapara sandaria leto papapara sandaria lenuma. Santo papapara soturi sandaria leto papaparama. Korala basoturi sandaria lenuma zundama. Thank you, Lord, that you said to the disciples when you returned, or before you returned to heaven, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And Lord, we know that you were preparing them for harvest. And when the Spirit came, they saw harvest that first day. 3,000 was gathered into your kingdom. And then 5,000, Lord. It was harvest. It was multiplication in Jerusalem. Because you prepared the hearts of your people. And then impacted them with that power from on high. You told them, don't go out and try to gather the harvest till first you've got that power. And Lord, we have that power, so we need to see the outworking of that power in our lives in a much greater measure than we see at present. So Lord, I pray that you will revive our faith, especially when we pray. I didn't have time to talk about all this, but God has been speaking to me about all this stuff these last few days, as you can probably understand. But one of the things he talked to me was about our prayer. He said, you see, if you're in the place of prayer, you expect my supernatural intervention in every situation about which you pray. If you pray with faith, you are praying for the supernatural to invade the natural. You're praying for the supernatural to overcome the natural. And, and often, you see, if, we, if we're not in that place of faith, we, we believe God will improve the natural but not overcome the natural with the supernatural. And I believe God just wants to lift us to another level of faith in our prayer where we're not just expecting improvement of the natural but we're expecting the supernatural intervention, transformation in one situation after another. So we bless you, Lord. We praise you. Lord, revive our faith. Oh, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, because we know that without faith we cannot please you. That we need faith for the harvest and faith to be the harvesters that you want us to be. Hallelujah, the ingatherers. Praise your holy name. Kora taparia leto papapara, sandaria leto papaparama. Poparia santo papapokolos otari, sandaria leto papapara, sandana. Basta galaria leto papapara, sandari, sandaria lenoma. Popapara, sandaria leto papapara, sandari, sandana. Basta galaria leto papapara, sandaria lenoma, sandana. Lord, if there's things we need to release to you, we pray for the grace to do that. Because things that we need to turn away from, we pray for the grace to do that. If, Lord, we need to reorder our priorities in some way, we need your grace to do that. If, Lord, in, in, in some ways we, 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 we just need to devote ourselves more fully to the work of your kingdom, then we need the grace to do that. Right, but I thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. And your power is made perfect in our weakness. Lord, it's amazing that Jesus actually acknowledged his weakness in his humanity, that he could not do anything himself. And so he saw your power at work in and through him. And Lord, that's what I want, and I'm sure that's what all my brothers and sisters here want. Just to acknowledge our nothingness, but your everything, absolutely everything. And we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all the praise. That we can live as the sons of God, anointed as the sons of God, with the authority of the sons of God, the power of the sons of God, with the commission that God gives to the sons of God. We bless your holy name. We praise your holy name. Karaba, come on, let's praise him. Oh, let's just release the praise to him now. Karabataria leto papapapara zandaria leto papapapara zandana. Papapara zandaria leto papapapara zandaria leto papapapakala zidama. 
papapapara zandaria leto, papapapakala zandari sandara mazundana. Papapapara zandaria leto, papapapakala zandaria lenama. O papapapapapakala zandana. Vastakalaria leto, papapapara zandaria leto, papapapara zandana. O papapapara zandaria leto, papapapara zandana. Thank you, Lord, for your provision for the harvest. Thank you that as we seek first your kingdom and righteousness, everything else will be added to us. Everything else will be added to kingdom faith. There won't be any need. There won't be any shortage. There won't be any lack in any area of our ministry in any way whatsoever. And we praise you, Lord, that you are the God of abundance and your purpose for us is abundance. And we praise your holy name. We bless your holy name. Papapara sandaria leto, papapara sandaria leto, papaparanama. Bastakalaria leto, papapara sandaria lenoma sandama. O papapara sandaria leto, papapapakala sandama. O papapara sandaria leto, papapara sandaria lenoma bumbara. Kiria leto, corazotori sandaria lenoma sundari sandama. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the outworking of your word, Lord. Thank you for the fulfillment of all your promises. We bless your holy name. We praise your holy name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just before, just before we close, let's remember this important truth that God has been reminding us of late, lately, that anything that is thrown into that river of purity doesn't pollute the water, but it's made clean. The impure just passes downstream and away, never to be seen again. Your Impurity can't pollute the water. Your sin can't pollute the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus cleanses you from the sin. The blood of Jesus heals us of our diseases. The blood of Jesus overcomes the negative. Whatever we do, to the Holy Spirit can never affect the Holy Spirit. We can deny the Holy Spirit. We can ignore the Holy Spirit. We can disobey the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. But none of that ever changes the Holy Spirit. It's only we who suffer because of our negative attitudes and responses. So the Spirit, the water, and the blood never change. They're perfect. Hallelujah. Nothing, nothing can affect them in a negative way whatsoever. And Lord, we just want the flow of that water of life through our lives and out of our lives as a mighty river. We want that blood, Lord, to be cleansing us. We want to live in, in the good of that every day of our lives. And Lord, we want to be the people of the Spirit that are living in dependence upon the Spirit. And we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise. Sora taparia leto papapapara sandaria santumarangam. Papapara sandaria leto papapasanduri santuma. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, let's finish with a great burst of praise for the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Sora taparia leto papapapara sandaria leto. Now, let me encourage you. Because I know the Lord has said this would not be the time of harvest and he could not have promised us a time of harvest unless he knew 
that he would work in us everything that was necessary to prepare for the harvest. So knowing the end from the beginning, God knows that he will do in us. He actually knows we'll let him do in us. We'll want him to do in us everything that's necessary to make us the harvesters he wants us to be. So that's the good thing. We're on a winner. Amen? We're on a winner. He will do it. Amen? He will do it. He will sanctify us through and through spirit, soul, and body. God is faithful, and he will do it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.